Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out all of our companion content. That's our podcast, our YouTube feed, also our columns, our stories, our merchandise. Got to get that Tua shirt before the draft. You can find all of it at fivereasonsports.com. That's fivereasonsports.com. Make sure you check it out. Also, check out all of our new sponsors. We added a bunch of sponsors in the past three weeks. Uh, they believe in us. We believe in them. So please support them. And all of them are based here in South Florida, and they're South Florida sports fans. That's where our sponsors come from, including our friend Courtney Harris. And he introduced to me, Christopher's Bakery and actually made an order of, I think it's going to be here this Wednesday or Thursday to keep me company during this crisis. Where can you find Christopher's Bakery? Go to Christopher'sBakery.com backslash five reasons, spell it out with the F I V E reasons, and then type in the code, the number five reasons. And if you do that, you'll get 15% off your order. Their signature product is a vanilla wafer cake. I actually added some chocolate chips to that. And that was created um, by Courtney's father over 30 years ago. Why is it called Christopher's Bakery? It's actually a great cause. It's named after his brother who died from a seizure at just 11 years old. And so Christopher's Bakery has partnered with Miami Nicholas Children's Hospital to set up a fund where they donate a portion of all the sales to epilepsy neuroscience research, since that's where they spent much of that young man's life. They also ship across the entire country, but they do hand deliver here in South Florida once the crisis passes. For now, uh, order and it will get to your door. So again, I'm looking forward to this getting here this week and you should check it out too. You can follow them at Nilla Wafers. That's at Nilla Wafer Cakes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here. No Alphonse Sydney. As we're recording this, it is his birthday, so he's knee-deep in some kind of alcoholic beverage. If you didn't check it out, on Friday, we had our latest episode of Five Reasons to Drink, where our next uh, guest was actually making an appearance. And uh, today was Alf- Alphonse's birthday, and I knew there was no chance he'd be here. Alex Lito also cannot make it. He's going to be on another episode with me. So I reached across the aisle. I reached across the aisle to our mortal enemies over at Three Yards Per Carry. It's five on the floor, three yards per carry and five rings canes, kind of the standard bearers of the network. And I reached across to our friend and enemy, Alfredo Arteaga, the other Alf in the network. You can check out his work on fivereasonsports.com. And of course, as one of the hosts of the Three Yards Per Carry podcast. But what a lot of people don't know, and you haven't been on a pod with me in a long time. I mean, I've been on Three Yards a couple of times. Is you're a big Heat fan. Yeah. And you're a Pat Riley file, um, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, probably more more than anybody else in the entire network, and so since we're and doing a all current the, customer, so yes, and a current customer that's also true. And one of the re- things reasons I want to reach out to you is because this is obviously uh, 
Dolphins time. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking a lot of heat here, but I mean, everybody's kind of curious what the Dolphins going to do in the draft coming up next Thursday. We're having a huge draft show you're going to be part of. It's going to be streaming on Twitter. We're going to put it on YouTube. We've got more than 20 contributors on it. It's going to be fun. We're going to be, you know, massacring the picks and all the rest of this and arguing and bringing on Jet fans and everybody else. It's going to be a lot more fun than what you see on television. But we're going to be talking about what the Dolphins do. And I was going to write a column, but I was too damn lazy this weekend. I was going to write a column about how at last, and I feel like I've written this column a bunch of times for pretty much every outlet in South Florida, the Dolphins need to emulate the heat. Like they've had this example just the south of them, and instead of emulating them all these years, it's like they've been jealous of them and tried to go the opposite direction as if to prove that was going to work. And Steve Ross has taken various shots at the Heat over the years. You know, they're not really relevant now that LeBron's not there and all the rest of that stuff. But I feel like now more than ever, and I, I will give my explanation for this, they need to emulate the Heat. Do you also feel that way? Because when I texted you about this, you said I was thinking about writing that too. Yes. And I think that now they have the opportunity, but it's going to take success to keep it going because what always happens here, and it's happened here for, for 20 years since Shula was ran out of town. And then you had some kind of continuity with Jimmy Johnson. He even got to pick his successor and Dave wants that once they blew him out of here, it's been a four year period and another four year period of completely different philosophies and complete teardowns that allows for no continuity and no real culture to be built. So hopefully now with Brian Flores, he seems to have at least an ethos. He has, he has a philosophy. He knows what he wants on either side of the ball. Hopefully they get some success so they can have some time to build this culture that they, that they keep talking about now. Well, let's go through it historically, because I, I do think it might be unfair to say that they've rejected the Heat philosophy in all ways, because I think there have been times where their owners, whether it was Hyzinga or more recently Ross, have tried to do some things that the Heat do. And, and the best examples that I can come up with is that they tried to find their Pat Riley uh, three different times, right, since Shula was gone. And I, I want to go back to talk about Shula, because Shula's departure coincided with Riley's arrival essentially and so there was a passing of the torch between one to the other as kind of the patriarch of this town the executive in charge of everything uh who keeps things going and I know Don was not the general ma he had a general manager with him and Joe Thomas and others uh through the Heckert others through the years but essentially Don was in charge it was uh, the Dolphins who thought of Don Shula the heat since you've thought of Pat Riley, but the thing was Jimmy came in at that same time as Pat essentially pretty close to the same time and was supposed to be the Riley there, but mm -hmm. his heart wasn't into it like Pat's was. And, you know, if you go to, you know, 96, 97, he started to build the foundation. And then I thought in 98, 99 is where he erred because he had an opportunity to then, to me, the thing he did really well was 96, 97, he accumulated picks. He hit on Zach late. He hit on JT, he hit on Madison. He hit on, you know, a bunch of other sort of, you know, peripheral guys that were wooden Perry, others who were effective guys for him. And then what did they do? You know, he had a chance to kind of move up, take Randy Moss 
didn't do that. We all know what kind of happened and, you know, it went the other way. And then he was more concerned, I thought, with stock trading and with Buttercup, his Yorkie, than mm-hmm. he was with the Dolphins. So he wasn't really into it and had to be convinced to stay. Riley's never had to be convinced to stay. In fact, Riley doesn't want to leave, <laughs> right? So, so it's been the opposite. But then since then, okay, Wanstat was kind of a, okay, he's here, higher. Uh, but then, you know, then obviously, you know, we know what happened, Bates, et cetera. But then they bring in Saban. And yeah. Saban was supposed to be Riley and, you know, was sort of the right man in the wrong place. Right. And never really warmed to South Florida. His wife didn't warm to South Florida. Didn't get the quarterback he should have gotten. Didn't think he was going to beat Belichick. Didn't like dealing with the media that was going to actually push back on him a little bit. Did, just didn't like players who were going to push back on him, which is why he didn't like the pro game. And so that didn't end up working out. And then, of course, after the Cameron disaster, then they try again with Parcells to find their Riley, who to me was the, in the media's eyes, is the carbon copy of Riley, but not really, (laughs) right? Like, you know, New York background, or at least, you know, New York, a history in New York of success, being able to deal with the media, set up an apparatus, bring in quality people under him. Uh, But he basically checked out before he got here and, and proved to be pretty fraudulent. And, and made a lot of the wrong moves. And so you had Jimmy, Saban, Parcells. Now, since Parcells, Sperano, et cetera, you know, then you had Philbin and you had, you know, you, you, you had missteps with Gase and et cetera. Um, do, do you think, just from the Dolphins' perspective, because I know you follow the Heat but you, and closely, but you follow the Dolphins more closely. Do, do you think that they've learned anything over the years from what's gone on in, in Miami? Or do you think that it's just been sort of, it has seemed a lot of times, like I said at the top of the show, like jealousy uh, that, that they've had towards the heat where it's like they don't, they don't totally want to embrace what was going on to the South. Well, I think that the, the guy that has to learn is Stephen Ross because he's the one who hires and fires. And I believe that – I wouldn't say that, that he's completely – and he won't admit, admit to it that, that he's completely emulating the heat, but he kind of is in one respect. Uh, they have sold themselves completely on this new philosophy and they're building around what Brian Flores wants and what Brian Flores wants. He seems to be getting his way all throughout, at least this first year in the process, because everything that they've done as far as roster building has been under what, you know, the cookie cutter, New England Patriot way, you know, sort of say. And to the point where they actually brought in Kyle Vannoy, who's probably going to be the captain of the defense now, who was a guy that Brian Flores identified with, was friends with in New England. And they went as so, as so far as to now invest somewhere close to 21% of their salary cap into the defensive backfield, which is a Brian Flores specialty. So you mm-hmm. could see that he is getting his way all throughout this process. So they're, they're buying into a philosophy and they're sticking to it. So, so is Flores, is Flores, because we talk about culture and, and, and there was a lot of this borrowing of the phrase culture, right? I know it's mm-hmm. not just a heat phrase, but locally it's associated with the heat uh, because they've had one and the Dolphins have not. Mm-hmm. So is, is, if I was to say to you, is Greer the Riley of the Dolphin organization? It sounds like uh, Chris Greer, the general manager. It sounds to me like, Flores is the Riley of the, of the Dolphin organization now, right? Like, I mean, even though Greer yes. is the one technically making the draft picks, 
yes, it's really it's, the Flores that's setting the philosophy. Mm, yes, it's backwards. For for many many years here, the the media has been wanting to you know, has been repeating the same mantra: go get the guy that hires the coach, and then hires this guy, and hires you know get the Riley type. Well, that's not what they, they actually did here. They already had a GM here. They went out and they hired a guy who, and I said it when uh, I think we were at a, a lunch meeting, and I said this guy's going to get his own team soon, Marvin Allen. They got him out of the Buffalo Bills. This is a guy that will be general manager in the NFL very, very soon. Somehow he took the job here. I'm guessing he took the job here because he, he was given extra responsibility. So it'll be his draft board in a week. And then they got the coach afterwards. And the coach seems to be hired through uh, Stephen Ross in consultation with Chris Greer because Chris Greer seems to have some type of relationship with Brian Flores. But as soon as that happened and Brian Flores got the job, it seems like Brian Flores is the one that's sending, setting the direction for this franchise and not the other way around. So I think what Brian Flores asked for is what Chris Greer and Marvin Allen will go get for him. And again, it's, it, this was done with Flores earning respect last year from the organization, from the players, and from the fans, mm -hmm. which is more challenging in some ways than what Riley had to do here because Riley already had that. Like, I mean, Pat, when Pat arrived, the Lakers, I mean, there were rings. The, the Knicks, that was a miraculous job he did there. Like, if you look at what's happened there since, think about it. Like, I mean, to, he, he stitched together a team. Yes, he had Ewing, but he stitched together a team with, you know, Anthony Mason and John Starks, right? Like, two guys nobody wanted. One of them was was stacking groceries basically yeah and right? it should be and it shouldn't be lost that that brian flores got his start as a personnel guy with the Correct. patriots so so there there is some things and one of the things we're going to do on this particular podcast is i want to go through the things that you think that if it's going to be flores uh things he can learn from pat because i i think that is is really instructive here i have one big thing and it doesn't really have anything to do with coaching it has to do more with uh more with kind of what you do from a personnel perspective. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. you got to check out this podcast. No, it's not a sports podcast, but it certainly applies <laughs> Excuse me, to South Florida. It's called Lessons Via Leaders, and it's a weekly show where they interview a new entrepreneur, founder, or thought leader every single week. Many of their guests are local leaders here in South Florida that have built huge businesses and fostered large communities and movements. Each show features a new guest that shares with the audience valuable lessons and learnings that they've amassed over their careers their shows can be found all the places you can find this show apple Podcasts, spotify anywhere else that you listen to podcasts they also have a video version of each episode that they post on youtube so check it out highly recommend it i was listening to an episode this weekend it's called lessons via leaders they've threatened to have me on there i don't know why they would have me on there but they're going to have certainly other people that are much more interesting than me so check that out all right so let's go through let's talk about leadership now um Let's talk about Riley and what can be learned. And I'll give you one, and then you give me one. Here's the biggest thing that I think the Dolphins can learn from Pat Riley right now. Go big or go home. Go big or go home. Pat Riley has never shied away from the big move down here. And the one time he did, okay, which to me was he made a defensive, sentimental, um, you know, uh, scared moves was when he, re when he signed all those guys after the 16-17 season. 
when he signed Dion. I, I look, uh, Tyler Johnson was the year before, okay, and that was more Mickey. Whiteside was the year before, and he was going to be maxed out by somebody else anyway. But I'm talking about the, the re-signings in particular of James Johnson and Dion Waiters, which were totally uncharacteristic for this organization to pay okay players, okay, regardless of what you thought of Dion and his attitude, but to pay okay players big money on long-term deals when you could develop guys that were just as good. Those were scared moves. They were made in part. Now we can say that they, it's worked to a certain degree and something else I want to talk about. It's worked to a certain degree because I think that they were trying to repair relationships with agents and others around the league after what happened with the big three and everybody leaving unhappy. So, okay, we're going to take care of our own, even if these guys have not been here that long, but they did give us 30 and 11. But to me, those were scared moves that were totally uncharacteristic of Pat. And they spent more than two years trying to sort of unravel themselves out of it, which they finally did, but it cost them, right? It cost them basically Josh Richardson because otherwise they could have probably signed Jimmy into space. It cost them, uh, you know, having to take the Ryan Anderson ultimately with Tyler Johnson and having to stretch out his contract. So it cost them, but they did a miraculous job kind of mitigating the damage, so to speak. All right. That is the only time that Pat, in my view, has operated scared. The Dolphins have operated scared for two decades. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the, the heat, it's not enough to say Glenn Rice is a really good player. As we've talked about episodes when Alonzo morning is available, it's not enough to say we developed Josh Richardson as a second round pick and he exceeded expectations and he's a great character guy and he's a great glue guy when Jimmy Butler is available. It's not enough to say we got more out of Lamar Odom than anybody else has gotten out of him before, and we drafted Karan Butler 10, and he was a steal when Shaquille O'Neal is available. It's never been enough for Pat. He's always made the bold move. Why do I bring this up? Because we're having conversations right now about what the Dolphins are going to do with all of these draft picks. I know what Pat would do with them. He trade as many as he had to trade to get the one freaking guy he wants. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And to me, I know that these sports are different. I know that maybe one player can't change a franchise, although I do think in quarterback you can. But do you see any correlation there? And do you see the Dolphins finally? Because I, Dolphin fans are clinging to these draft picks. We can't give up an extra fourth. We can't give up a future third. <laughs> Who gives a bleep? Who gives a – like, you think Riley has always talked about these as chips. Human beings to him are chips. They're just – they're pieces to be moving around to get the piece and then figure it the bleep out later, all right? Get the guy, figure it out later. Um, this is a long-winded say, way of saying, if you can go up and get Joe Burrow, if you have to go up and get Tua, and it costs you an extra fourth or a fifth or a third or a first, I don't care. I don't care. Get the guy. There'll always be other offensive guards and linebackers. Do you see any correlation there? Absolutely. And one thing I've always admired about the, the Heat organization is how they could turn over rocks and find all these guys out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, and plug them in and be support staff for then the one guy that they go out and get. And that seems to be what they've done with, with Jimmy Butler. Now, forget about the big three because that was just – you know, you had the one, the one guy here that they had to resign, by the way, and Dwayne Wade. And then they just went and bought two superstars to play right next to him. But traditionally, what Pat Riley has always done, and maybe he hasn't always led to championships, is they've turned over rocks to find people. And even though that, that, that Knicks team that he took to the finals against the Rockets, that was essentially what the Heat has been doing here for 24 years. 
Anthony Mason, where did he come from? Where did, where did uh, you know, John Starks come from? Where did Charles Smith, where did he come from? And all those guys were, were cogs in one major wheel that was pushed along by Pat Riley. And the, the engine of that team was Patrick Ewing. If they don't have Patrick Ewing, all of that good work, and by the way, if the Heat right now did not have Jimmy Butler, and to a lesser extent, and probably to a bigger extent, Bam Adebayo, all of these great young stars that you found out of nowhere, and that's, and that's leading me to the Dolphins, would lead you to where? Maybe, maybe the eighth seed, maybe the ninth seed, tenth seed, the lottery again? No, you need that one guy that Jimmy Butler, that Bam Adebayo, that Patrick Ewing. And in this case, if you got a quarterback, if you go get a quarterback, you are taking a shortcut that many other teams take. But you're doing it by just using one draft pick. And you could probably do it by just sitting there at number five, taking your guy. He works out. And all it cost you was one of three first-round picks. That's it. But even if it costs you more, Alfredo, that's my thing. Yes. Like, even if you have to slide up to three or four and give up a future first, I just – this is the cost. As to me, this is one of the things when you talk to people inside the heat, you will hear this phrase a lot. They will say, this is the cost of doing business, okay? Mm -hmm. Did they want to have to make the transaction for Jimmy the way they made it? No. Like, okay, you had the, you, you had the first thing, again – they, they couldn't take Jimmy into space because they didn't have space. Then they work out a deal with Dallas where they're going to give up Dragic. And look, it turned out to be a good thing. They didn't give up Dragic. But then there's some kind of miscommunication, weird deal there with Mark Cuban where they wanted Olenek and Derek Jones Jr. Oh, so that's blowing up. And it goes public that it's blowing up. I was basically told that what Andy Ellisberg did to make that deal happen was the biggest bit of wizardry that's happened in, in, in the NBA in the last 10 years. Okay. I've been told that by a couple of different people who were part of the process. All right. That, that the way that he turned and eventually I will get that. I've said this on the pod before I will get that entire story told. Okay. But they somehow, they managed to get the white side thing done, which I don't still don't understand how that happened. They bring in a functional player in Myers Leonard, who's a perfect fit for their quote unquote culture. And who also is, is on a last year of his contract. So they get an opportunity to evaluate him. And by the way, I want to thank Myers. I meant, I don't know if I mentioned the beginning of this podcast, but our, our guy, Nikias Duncan, his house uh, burned down and we put out a GoFundMe for him. Um, more than $18,000 was raised in, in less than 48 hours. Uh, and some of that was Myers Leonard. So we just want to, I, I want to salute to Myers Leonard. It wasn't just his contribution, but him pushing it out there on social media. Uh, you should have seen the flood of, of donations that came in in the following hours. So we appreciate that. But getting back to this, you know, you, you take a look at, at what happened here. Oh, by the way, we have a card. We have a Myers Leonard card to give away too. We're going to do that on the next podcast. But so you make that deal and then you pick up Harkless in that deal who you wanted to keep. But you, but you couldn't keep him, and you had to give up a future, a first-round pick to grease the wheels with the Clippers to get the deal done. Now, in the end, did you want to do all that? No. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Oh, would you have rather kept Harkless? Would you have rather kept the first to at least maybe you could flip it to somebody else? Yes, but this is the cost of doing business because once you got Jimmy Butler, a lot of other things start to fall into place. And you mentioned it. You have to get the guy. And, and that doesn't look, I know the sports are different. In the NFL, you don't want to blow all your money in free agency. It's, diff, it's different in terms of the way you acquire the players. But the vehicle in the NFL is the draft. And I don't, I, I, and I guess I get back to this with you. Our Dolphin fans, I feel like there's crossover between Dolphin and Heat fans, okay? There's crossover. I would say it's, it's as Venn diagrams go, it's not perfect, okay? But there is crossover. There's also a lot of jealousy, resentment from Dolphin fans towards the, the hardcore Dolphin fans towards the hardcore Heat fans. Um, I have noticed that. There's also a, a uh, there's also a, I would say kind of, th- there's a difference in terms of what the audience is, Okay. Um, the, I've talked about this before. Would you agree with this? The heat audience tends to skew younger, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because the success has been more recent. It tends to skew a little bit more diverse. I think it's more, I would say black and Latino than the dolphin audiences. Um, I think the dolphin audience is more white, so to speak. I'm not saying again, there's crossover, a lot of crossover, but I'm saying if you're talking about which way it goes. Um, and I also think dolphin fans, there's a defeatism among Dolphin fans that does not with Heat fans. There's an internal optimism. Like even if you're pissed at the Heat, right? There's optimism with the Dolphins. There's not. Yeah, no. The Dolphin fan on Twitter, it's stifling sometimes. It's you can almost suffocate under it. All the woe is me. You know, all hell's breaking loose, and we're gonna be terrible forever. Like you know, I'm usually an optimist. You know, I'm I'm an optimist in life. I like to look at the sunny side of things and at least hope for the best. Heat Twitter is eternally hopeful that Giannis is going to be here in a year or maybe Anthony Davis this summer. They're always thinking that something good is just around the corner. The Dolphin fan is just waiting for a piano to fall on their head. (laughs) And I I hate it. I just hate it because I remember the day when it wasn't like that. I remember the day when everybody was talking Super Bowl every single summer. But that's been – okay, but I think the last time that that's happened – uh, was the Culpepper year. I think 05, mm. uh, with Saban coming in into 06, when Culpepper came in that year, people, you know, they talk about Breeze Culpepper. They don't you know, forget, like, the Dolphins were on the cover of Sports Illustrated before Maven destroyed Sports Illustrated, back when yeah. SI mattered. Yeah. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They were going to the Super Bowl. It was against the, I, I They were remember. picked by Peter King to win the Super Bowl. To win the Super Bowl. Like that, or that lose was the Super Bowl to Seattle, I believe, one of the two. Right. So that was 06. And that's really been the last time. And, and I think if you look at what happened after, again, then the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins, you know, were a disaster that year. Saban leaves. The Heat won the championship that year, right before it in 06. And then you had this sort of shallow dive, you know, afterwards with 
you know, the 15 win team, but then Dwayne, you know, Dwayne's rise back up and making them a, not a contender, but they were, they were a playoff team again. And then obviously the big three come and they totally crowded the dolphins out of the room. I mean, the dolphins have not had, I mean, the biggest stars for the dolphins since Marino. Okay. Who, again, if you're under 30, you don't even, you, you it's YouTube videos for you. Um, so it, it's Maria. We're, we're Zach and Jason. Yeah. Uh, and, and Zach and Jason are dwarfed by LeBron and Dwayne and Bosch. So from a so, fan standpoint, although I will say this from a fan standpoint, that 2008 season and to a lesser extent, yes. the 2009 season, those two running backs, Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams, those were electric moments inside that, that stadium when they were running the wildcat and mm-hmm. they had that great rushing attack and they played those big games against the jets and against the Ravens. But of course, when they went to the playoffs, they have a home game in the playoffs and yeah. you have a, a, you know, a mad, crazy crowd. And of course, you don't give them that extra push to make them fans for life. You, mm-hmm. you get blown out in the first round against a pretty good Ravens team. But nonetheless, you lose at home. Right. So. Yeah. And, and in, in the interim, if you look at it, they haven't won a playoff game since December 30th, 2000. Mm-hmm. So we're talking almost 20 years and in that time, the Heat have been to five finals, won three, you know, won three championships, uh, been consistently competitive, had the biggest team in the world for, you know, roughly four years, um, had incredible continuity. And, and I guess when we come back from the break, that's, there are two things I want to get to with you to close. You know, one thing is, uh, do you, do you, we talked about have they learned any lessons from the Heat? and Will they actually go big or go home? And, and, you know, my question on it, too, is have they learned in terms of continuity? Because that's really the heat lesson, which, which the, the Dolphins have been kind of caught in between because it's hard to have continuity when you don't have competence. But, but, but they haven't really had either. Um, and so that's the thing. And the other thing, a question I have for you is, is the one that always gets posed. And I used to argue with others who used to be in our network about this. If the Dolphins ever win, will it be bigger than what the Heat have done? because there are still Dolphin fans who are clinging to that, and I'm not quite sure that I agree. But anyway, before we get to that, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of our network, and that's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. Spell it out, O-N-E, calllegal.com. They are still working. So if you have a legal issue, and I know for some people legal issues are kind of piling up right now, uh, make sure that you check out onecalllegal.com. They've got someone there 24 hours a day on the website. Like I said, their attorneys are all working remote. They're popping in and out of the office uh, we actually work in that office from time to time. And I'm going to check it out again this week. So it is open, and they are handling cases. So I know that the courts are closed here in Broward and in Dade, uh, but stuff is still going on. You can still get that preparation that you need. Like I said, they handle uh, just about everything. They handle personal injury. They handle traffic tickets. They handle immigration. They handle sports law. They handle contract law. So make sure to check it out. It's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm at One Call Legal. Com. All right, so those are the two questions as we close here, Alfredo, I'm posing. Do you think that they will finally achieve continuity here? Because I, I feel like they've tried. They didn't want Saban to leave. They didn't really want Jimmy to leave. They didn't expect Parcells to leave. But nobody has wanted to stay or nobody has done a good enough job to stay. And then in some cases, like with Joe Philbin, they may have stayed with him too long because they were trying to create continuity. Um, do you think that Brian Flores, he's got a five-year deal. Is he going to get the time to make this thing work? Well, we know how we get continuity in the NFL, right? Like you're either New England and you win everything for 20 years or you're John Harbaugh and you're constantly 
in an AFC championship game or winning the division or have an exciting team like this past year and always in the playoff mix or you're Mike Tomlin who has had one under 500 season his entire career there in Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. that's so there's one thing that there's consistent with all three of those guys. And those are the only ones that I don't know, maybe I'm missing somebody, but those are the only three guys that I can think of that can say, okay, we're, we have some continuity here with this franchise. And the one thing that's consistent with all three is that they constantly win. They're always yep. winning. They're always in the playoff hunt. They're always at nine. But, 10, but is it chicken months. or is it chicken or the egg? Because we talk about look, the Spurs had a little bit of a down year this year, but basically mm-hmm. in, in the, in the NBA, it's been the heat. It's been the Spurs. I feel like the Raptors are starting to, get a little bit of that as long as Messiah stays uh is it it used it, to be the Dallas Mavericks it, it was the Dallas man well it is from a coaching perspective and I do think that one of the reasons they dug themselves out obviously they got very fortunate that Luca was still there for them and they made the right choice mm-hmm. but is that Rick Carlisle still there um I mean he is I mean he and Spo are basically they're four days apart they're basically tied for second uh in terms of uh, you know Spo was technically second but in terms of longest tenured coach with a particular franchise. So it, it's look, it's worked for them. I, I do think Dallas, yeah, Dallas fits into that category. But if you look at in the in the uh, in the NFL, it's basically been the ones that you've mentioned. It's a little of both, right? Like it's chicken and it's the egg, right? Like because yeah. the winning allows you to stay, but the staying allows you to win or at least lose for less time. Yeah. Right. And and dig yourself out of it. So I, I, I feel like they want Flores to be the guy. Like they 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 want him no, my question is more if Greer will be the guy. Like, I feel like Flor- if, I, if someone was to say to me in three years, one of these two guys is here, Chris Greer or Brian Flores, I would take Flores. Would you agree with that? Yes, and I, I believe that Flores eventually will, will be the guy that can hire or fire a new general manager, much like uh, Belichick. Maybe he didn't fire Scott Pioli, but he kind of nudged them out of the way because they had mm-hmm. some disagreement. Like nobody ever hears about all the front office, you know, people that they have in New England because they know that Bill Belichick's in charge. Right. I think that's kind of the model they're going for here. Although, you know, they put Chris Greer out in front with Marvin Allen. I think eventually if if Flores can string together a few 10 and 6, 11 and 5 seasons, I think you'll slowly see that those guys actually work for him. Now, so far, like, what's the evidence? The evidence is that they kind of are working for him because they're mm-hmm. going out and building a team by his specifications. Right. Yeah, and, and I, I, I just – this is a lot of Flores's his, – his presentation is different from Pat's. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not as much bluster. As, but there, there's similarities in terms of approach, I think, uh, between the two of them. The uh, the although Pat would never have a no talent wall like that's that's not a bad thing, uh, but 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 there are, there are similarities between the two of them and I, I think there is similarity in terms of getting the guys who are going to fit the culture and if they don't and practice they're going to get rid of and the practices I think the speed of their uh, well well Pat again the, the heat have morphed a little bit in that regard I mean Spoh's not running Riley practices they don't even have shoot there were hardly any shoot arounds this year now part of that was to avoid the media but the heat hardly had any shoot arounds they were just they were running walkthroughs that, that there was no media availability uh basically before the game um all right so let's get to the last piece of this because this is an interesting part of this and, and i i feel like again i was talking about the demographic differences between the two fan bases and sort of the jealousy and if you if you tell a hardcore dolphin fan that this is a, a basketball town now Mm-hmm. Uh, you will get a virulent reaction. 
And then you'll start to hear, well, as soon as the Dolphins get to a Super Bowl, you'll see that the Heat's championships won't mean anything. And I'm like, okay, can you win a playoff game first? And and to me, that's part of the point. Like, I I mean, there's a speculation about what this town would be, but I don't see anybody wearing Dolphin shirts. Like, I even, like, if you go around town and you just, when we used to be able to drive and leave the house, and you, you check out what's on people's cars, all right, all the license plates are heat plates. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they're all heat plates. There's no dolphin plates. There's, I'm, and, and I, you know, and I'm between Palm Beach, Broward, and Dade. I'm all over the damn place, east, west, et cetera. And I see all heat plates. Anybody under 20 is wearing heat shirts, okay, uh, heat jerseys, associates with Wade. Like I mentioned, Marino, Marino retired 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And his last great season was what? Before the Achilles? I mean, maybe 91, maybe 92. Oh, he was but, great in 90, uh, 95. When okay, he 95, he, 95, he was great. You're right. I mean, they didn't make mm-hmm. the playoffs, though, and then Shula got run out. But right, that, but that was, the, that was another of the teams that was supposed to win a championship. They had like 22 first-round picks on that team, like you know, everybody, Steve Entman and everybody else. Uh, but, but there's no association with Dan from somebody who's under 30 at this stage. So, I mean, do you think, I mean, if the Dolphins build with something, I think it's going to have to, it's not just, it's football and everybody's going to respond to football. It has to be done with panache. It has to be done with a star, with a face. With a personality. With a personality. The 08 team, and I covered that team, home and road. I was at all 16 games. I was in the locker room in the Meadowlands when they beat uh, Favre and and won, okay, and Pennington and Joey Porter. It was a great story. But there was JT wasn't even on that team. I mean, no. it, it was right. It, it wasn't, uh, you know. And, and Chad Pennington, uh, one of the classiest people I've ever covered, but was you know he was he was a rental. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, and so, he was an MVP candidate that and, year, and everybody and forgets. Yeah, everybody forgets he was top three. But but yeah. he's. I mean, but you're not you're not putting Chad Pennington as a rental from the Jets. He was still associated with the Jets for a lot of people on a bunch of billboards. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's another reason. Like, if that's ever going to happen, it has to be with a star. Like, everybody's got to be wearing that Tua jersey down here with Wade gone, okay, and maybe, maybe the Heat don't get to the finals in the next couple of years. That's the only way that this happens. Do you think it's as simple as Dolphins win, this is a football town again? Well, I love looking at, at examples across the nation, and there's two that I find fascinating. And one of them is the greater New England area, Boston. You would think, man, they got the Bruins, they got the Red Sox, they got the Celtics, but look at their their TV numbers. Their TV numbers for the Celtics are consistent with the best TV numbers of any basketball team in the NBA, okay? Any of the, you know, the big, let's say, big five or six markets. Their football team, the Patriots, of course, they win everything, but they get 33 shares for Sundays, okay? Mm. That means that one out of every three TVs is watching the Patriot game. Those are Super Bowl numbers, okay? Then you come down here to Miami, and a regular Dolphin game on a Sunday is going to pull somewhere around a 9 or an 8, which is equivalent to what a Heat regular season game might get. But then you go out west to Los Angeles, and they have teams like the Rams – and the Chargers, although nobody cares about the Chargers, I think nobody knows that they were in Los Angeles this past year. Mm-hmm. But you go out there, and it's the other way around. Everybody cares about the Lakers. The Lakers get three times the numbers. 
So what's yeah. consistent here is whoever's winning at the time seems to get the eyeballs at that particular moment. I think as long as the Heat stays championship relevant, and I believe that I believe that they're championship relevant right now because I have a different definition of what I consider championship relevant. Nobody thinks that they're going to go out and beat the Clippers or the Lakers in the finals this year if we have a finals. Mm -hmm. But if you are threatening for the Eastern Conference finals, that's a championship. So you are championship relevant, even if you get blown out of Milwaukee in four games. Mm -hmm. As long as the Heat stay right there, I think this is a 50-50 town if the Dolphins are good. If not... I think that the Dolphins, if they remain bad, they continue losing ground every single year. And I think they might they'll – th they'll threaten to go below heat regular season numbers, and which is strange to say, but it would be one of the few markets anywhere in the United States. Well, but, but, but they, they should be higher just by the scarcity of them, all right? I mean, that, that's yeah. been one of my points is that they should be considerably higher. Because there's only 16, there's not 82. Yeah, and the Dolphins have a built-in advantage, which is the NFL. Everybody right. loves the NFL. Exactly. But, uh, and, and that's why I, I, just, I don't think it's as easy as flipping a switch. Would people get into it? Absolutely. But, I mean, you mentioned Boston. and I, I look, But for the Patriots to do that, it took, it took two decades of winning. Of, of winning. <laughs> Nine like, Super Bowl appearances and six titles. <laughs> right. But, but, but as soon as, if that, to me, I don't think that's permanent up there. I mean, that's a Red Sox and Celtics place. And I to think me, it's going to flip. I think it's going to flip I, I, as soon as they start losing. As soon as they start losing, I don't think, whereas the Red Sox and the Celtics have maintained, and they've both had bad years, bad times. I mean, the Red Sox had bad century, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, the Celtics, uh, you know, we can talk about all the championships, but, I mean, there was also, you know, a lot of ML car coaching in there, and there, there was some, you know, where Antoine Walker was the best player on the team for a little bit. Like, th there were some bad teams. And so, and yet, you know, the Celtics maintained – a relevance now i think it gets overblown because there are some empty seats in that place you know until they got you know last three four years you know they've been good enough again even after pierce and and everybody else kind of exited the stage but but that i don't think that remains a football town up there because it's not really a football new england is not really a football market as much it's just that they've no. done so much damn winning and there's no college football up there of any relevance and so you know you don't have that I mean, football is going to dominate in SEC country. Football is going to dominate in Dallas. Football is going to dominate in some of those markets, but it doesn't necessarily dominate in, in the other places. I mean, there's and even then the the Mavericks. Uh, very few people know this. Do you know who has the longest sellout streak in the yeah, NBA? Dallas. No, Dallas has well, done exceptionally well. Chicago's number one, but Dallas mm -hmm. is number two, and it's yeah. by far. It's by and it's because they've built and that and that was a moribund franchise before. That was one of the, the joke franchises of the NBA before Cuban bought it. Um, you mm -hmm. take a look at other ones. I mean, Phoenix has been bad forever now with Sarver's ownership, but that has always been more of a, uh, you know, that town has always trended towards basketball more if the team is good. And, and I, I think you can find others. I mean, no, Denver, no. Okay, it's a football market. Um, you well, know, LA. LA ignores a, the football teams. A, a, LA ignores the football teams. And I think and everybody's you know, into the, the Lakers and now the Clippers. Right. So I, I, I don't necessarily agree with people who think that the heat thing goes away. The heat thing didn't go away when LeBron left. If it was going to go away, it was going to go then. Um, I think bringing Dwayne back into the fold, repairing things with Dwayne, I think emphasized again the bond that that franchise has built. And it is because everybody knows the names, not just the names of the players. 
they know the names of everybody in that damn front office. They know the names of the scouts. They know the names of, uh, you know, everybody. They know the names of the trainers. They, they know everybody because everybody has been here for so long. That, to me, more than the championships is going to be Pat's legacy here. It is mm-hmm. this sustained, and Mickey, Mickey to a degree as well. It's just this, this is the continuity, the connection with the town, um, where the Dolphins just don't have that. When we had the Fish Tank podcast in our network, you know, one of the things that, that I always I talked about was it was going to be a challenge for them because they were telling these great stories about all these, you know, former Dolphin players. But there's like 10 years where you, there's just nobody you want to hear from. <laughs> you know, like, you, you know, you, I mean, like there's the, the Wanstead years and then, okay, after that, a couple of the Saban years. And then, okay, if you can get Chad Pennington on the show and then it's like, okay, uh, Carlos Dansby, like who, who are we getting that made an impact over like an eight to 10 year period? It's just a totally forgettable era. The Heat have never had a forgettable era since Pat came. They've had maybe a forgettable year, like 2002, 2003, okay, where it was like a bunch of guys on one-year contracts, like a Kendall Gill and a Cedric Sabalos and a Jimmy Jackson and a Travis Best. But they haven't had a forgettable era. I mean, they haven't had forgettable two years. Um, And so, I mean, yeah, 14, 15, we don't really remember with Henry Walker taking shots late in the game. But the next year, they, they should have made the Eastern Conference Finals. And would have probably if Whiteside and Bosch had been healthy. So, anyway, it's an interesting discussion. We'll close here. Obviously, you got to check out the Three Yards Per Carry podcast. These guys have been nailing the draft picks for the last couple of years. They'll nail them again this year. I'll ask you: Do they? Th- do you think that they will make the bold move and get the quarterback in the first ten picks, one way or another? And who will that quarterback be? Yes, I think they will. I think that quarterback will be Tua Tagovailoa if. Somehow, some way, Detroit, let's say, wants him and takes him. I think they will trade down, and it won't be Herbert. It will be Jordan Love. But, yes, who mm-hmm. they will get, Tua Tungabahalo. They'll move up probably to three, and it'll cost them maybe that 26th pick to move up to three. And, and if they do that, to me, Tua should take uh, – we talk about numbers. He ain't taking 13. Nobody over 13 years old thinks he's well, taking 13. Well, he already 13. did an interview, and he said that he he'll would take 11. 11. Right, which, which is Devontae Parker's number. But yes. to me, but to me, to me, uh, you know, why not wear the number that's associated with this town now? Take three. Yes. Take three. <laughs> All right? And then, and then you'll, you'll have a lot of people who wore the three for the, the Heat who, who will associate the one with the Dolphins. I also think one is an interesting number you could take um you know as a quarterback number to me it all starts with the quarterback take one but i would take three man like it's not look the heat retired 13 but the dolphins haven't retired three and even though the heat retired 13 mike miller wore it anyway so yeah and you know bam out of bio is wearing it proudly now so you can pull it down uh anyway check out uh alfredo artiaga at alf uh, underscore artiaga and also the three yards per carry pod alf thanks for doing this no thank you Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.